Like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric delivers a perfectly broken-in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, and powered with the strength of Enforced technology, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit TenkataFabrics.com slash Flex 7. Flex 7, powered by Enforced technology. Only from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. All right. Hello, everybody. It's Eric Dryman. Welcome to uh, the latest episode of the Hooks and Hoses podcast. Um, well, happy to welcome my guest, uh, Devin Craig, tonight uh, to talk about a lot of training stuff. Uh, probably talk about some smoke diver stuff along the way and uh, We'll see where else the conversation leads us. So uh, before we get started, I just want to remind everybody that uh, the hot classes at FDIC 2024 are filling up fast. If they aren't full yet, they will be very soon. So if you have any interest in going, please uh, get yourself registered. Otherwise, you're going to be out of luck because the classes are filling up at a record rate. And uh, we're looking forward to having pretty much everything sold out by the time uh, April gets here in Indianapolis. So uh, my guest tonight is Captain Devin Craig. Uh, he's been a firefighter for over 20 years. Uh, in South, he's currently in South Montgomery, Texas, uh, in South Montgomery, Texas Fire Department, which is uh, on the north side of Houston. And uh, he's also uh, part owner or the, the face of uh, the trainer die. Facebook page and trainer die um, training company. So Devin, welcome. Thanks, sir. Yeah, I appreciate it. So as we get going here, you know, Devin and I are going to talk a lot about training. It's uh, it's passionate for him. It's passionate for me. Um, I've had the, the opportunity. I've never, Devin and I have never met face to face, but I've had the opportunity to follow him uh, over the years and read articles that he's written and seen other shows that he's been on. And uh, how do you, I, I'm, the question right out of the gate is I'm, I've always been impressed. You just always seem to be on um, you're, you've, you've just got, uh, and, and I know, you know, I know we all have our downtimes, but every time I see you, you're just like 100% into it. How do you maintain that kind of motivation and, uh, and, and keep that level of involvement? I guess I wasn't always that way by any means. Um, I, I don't like to sit still. Um, you'll see me in the chair moving back and forth. There's a reason I sit in the chair that moves. Um, yeah. And a lot of it for me in the fire service is the fact that my my family lives in this community. So even when I change jobs, we move to where I work now. Uh, and the idea that I'm going to be gone um, and someone is going to have to take care of my family if something happens. Uh, constantly reminds me and that, that while most of us aren't going to make that fire, at some point we're going to make a fire where we have to, to make a difference and there's no one else coming to do that. So the idea that uh, every little bit counts makes a big difference to me. Um, somebody commented one time that, uh, you know, Olympians train for four years to run for less than 30 seconds um, and, and we can't train for five minutes, you know, and, 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 the idea that when I leave my house uh, and this, I, I've been married for 10 years now. And, and the idea that when I leave my house to go to work, I, I'm not helping anything in my house. So what I do at work has to mean something. And, and if it's, I had a, we, we call them uh, recliner races to see who could take the longest nap. You know, that's not going to 
pay off when I get home to a, a house with two kids and a wife that works and, and you know, the, the madness that that is. So I think that's a lot of it for me. Um, I, I really believe in the devil on one shoulder and, and the angel on the other. And the angel for me is always telling me could be lazy. Um, and that's, that keeps me moving most of the time. Um, my father retired as a train chief in the fire department, uh, in a different fire department. And he was the same way. So he retired last year and he still has five jobs. So there's some DNA in it too, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, that was, that was, uh, you kind of led into my next question, which was, how did you get your start? I know you started pretty young, probably a lot younger than, uh, than a lot of us did. So, uh, I mean, did, did you come out of, did, were you born and somebody handed you a Halligan bar or and, and a set of pull-up boots or, you know, I guess how did that all transpire? It's almost that way. Um, my, my father was a, uh, a motorcycle mechanic and he raced dirt bikes, uh, and he was living a good life and he met, he met my mom. And they fell in love. And then uh, I showed up. And then my dad uh, took a Monday through Friday job at a car dealership. And then uh, my mom saw that my dad needed to do something more. And uh, she got him to be a volunteer fireman. And he was a volunteer fireman for a little bit uh, and, and rose to the ranks in that. And then he became a paid fireman. Um, and I, I lucked out. My mom was, was doing night school. And uh, I was home with dad. And dad caught a fire. So the old school volunteers, we got in this pickup truck and drove to the fire. And I was probably seven or eight years old. And my dad told me to don't open the door of that pickup and I'll be back in a minute. And I could see the fire down the street. And my dad got out, put his gear on, walked to the fire. And I went out the window. I did what I was told. I didn't open the door. So out the window I went. <laughs> and then I went to the first in bumper. And and uh, it kind of went from there. And then I got I lucked out and went straight to fire school out of high school and then got my first job. So, Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's funny. Somebody asked me if if I could do anything else, what would it be? And I spent two days and had nothing still. So I, I don't know. I guess it's just yeah. yeah. No, I, I I understand. This is the only job I've ever had. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's hard to imagine doing something else. So I I completely get it. Um, so what you know, you're a captain now, and I know you've got an opinion on uh, on on the role of the company officer. Um, as you've promoted, what, what originally motivated you to take that first step to, to go from firefighter and, and to, to, you know, proceed up the ranks and decide that, Hey, I, I can, I think I got more to offer. I think I can be a company officer. I think I can, I can do this. How long did it take you? I looked out, I promoted off my first test. Um, and I remember looking around the room going, "I, I think I can do very, very well. Uh, and, and I think the guys in here aren't bad, but I think I can do better. Um, and I, I studied my butt off, uh, very hard to take it. Uh, and I, I lucked out and got that first one. And then, and then I'll, I'm very honest about this. I wasn't very good at it at all. Um, I was raised, uh, in the old school fire service, um, where you were told what to do. You did it and you didn't ask any questions. And, uh, I thought that's how everyone was. Um, and then as I, as I was able to go around more, it changed how I was, um, especially the last six years, I can tell you, I changed a lot, uh, in learning and learning how people react to stuff. Um, and that, and then I have quickly found that the company officer is the best job in the world. Um, my current position, uh, I hope to retire at, um, and that's, I'm a training captain now. So it's, it's even better than being on a, on a pumper. And, in some aspects, uh, I, there's days I do miss that ladder truck, but, uh, 
Yeah. And you see how the company officer pretty much, if, if a crew's got a bad company officer, they act that way. You know, if, if he's lazy, they're typically lazy and so on and so forth. And I, I took pride in that my crew that I had was the best crew we ever had. Um, and they always got the hardest jobs and they were good at it. Um, and I, I liked that way of things. Uh, and I looked out in an organization that allowed me to do that way. And my, I had a very good battalion chief that allowed me to operate that way. Um, and he was, he was flat out. He said, you, you're, you don't have a leash, but every now and then I'm going to ask you to come back. And, and he knew if I could run free, but if he asked me to come back, I, I had to come back and we did, we operated that way. So, so yeah, I guess that's it. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good answer. I, so you, you said you promoted, um, off your first list, uh, what kind of challenges did you encounter or what kind of things going into it? You know, you said you were, you were kind of old school in the way that, that things, you know, you were used to things working, but it sounds to me like you probably didn't, you know, you got a kind of a wake up call after you got promoted, which uh, I can, I can completely relate to um, when I got promoted, but you know, what were some of the things that, that you faced, uh, some lessons learned, you know, if you could go back and talk to yourself as that newly promoted officer, um, you know, or you could help the next guy coming up that's getting ready to get promoted. What, what are some of the lessons you learned or things that, that you would want to pass along to somebody else? It's funny because when you're young, you assume that people are just old. You don't realize what, what age does to you. Um, and, and an 18-year-old kid looks at a 36-year-old and oh, they're double my age. Um, they're really old. Um, and as you get older, you realize that 36 isn't that old. But you, you yeah. also realize that that th- some things take time and, and maturity takes time. And it, at 23, I was a captain. And uh, the first lesson is don't be 23 and be a captain. It's you're too, <laughs> young. You're too, you're too dumb. You don't know it, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and I, I assumed that everybody was into the job as I was assumed that they were as motivated as I was. And if they weren't, they were bad. And, and I quickly learned that just because someone doesn't operate the same level I do, doesn't make them a bad, doesn't make them a bad employer, a bad person by any means. It's something that we can work with. And you learn over time that while you want the company officer to know everything, you want them to be the best guy you have. If they assume they are and they act that way, well, then they end up being a bad one. So the humility to when people come and give you ideas or give you criticism um, or if someone asks you a question, it's okay to say, I don't know. Uh, and I, I've seen this over my career where I watch guys teach things and then I've asked them, where did you, where did you learn that? And, you know, the guys that are good will tell me I, I made it up, you know, and, and the other guys will, you know, they'll meander around and answer that, you know, is the truth that they don't know. Uh, versus trying to find what each individual person you have, what they're good at and pull on those things out of them. And, and everybody, whether they're the biggest couch potato, they're probably good at something and finding out what that is and making that work. Uh, and, and while you can say, you don't know, you have to find the answer anyway. Um, but how to teach people with that and how to say, I don't know, why don't you go on a little route with me and we'll, we'll figure this out together and we'll learn better. Uh, so most of it for me, honestly, was humility in it, and then really knowing what that meant. And then meant, uh, there's things still to this day that I like to do first because I'm really bad at it. Um, and I found as a company officer that if, if we did things that I knew I was needed help with, and if I was bad at it, if I went first and they saw me make all the mistakes you could make and then go, look, there's no, 
don't worry about screwing up. We're, we're, we're not, we're going to jaw at back and forth, but we're not going to think you're an idiot because you messed up. I just did everything wrong. And, and now I'm going to find a fireman who's got maybe a year of experience, but he just went to a class for this and he's going to teach me that made it a whole lot better. Um, and then we, we started setting some rules on the training ground with involving gear and involving how we talk to each other. Uh, and it made it a lot better. Uh, and, and a lot of the look at it through the other person's eyes. Um, and to the point that we were very concerned with what did our rookie go and tell his family when he got home? Uh, and if he, you know, tells them that on oh, my first day, I got soaked with water four times, you know, or nobody spoke to me or I had to eat. I've heard horror stories of eating food at different tables and these things. And like, I get, and I understand some of the putting them pay in for the job and, and putting the time in, but at the same time, we have to treat them like adults. Um, and, and on that note, I learned from my own wife that, Hey, when, when firemen are working with that officer, when we have a guy, we're responsible for, for them. So if, if I'm the company officer, these three guys in front of me, I, I am their caretaker and how you, where you put it. But if something happens to them, their wife's going to look at me and want to know why they didn't know that or why I let them down. And, and I have to be that. And so if I, if I can't assume that, or if I, I can't defer that responsibility. And again, I, I don't know what I would have done had, had one of my guys got hurt to have to call his wife and say, Hey, Mike's hurt because we decided we were going to have a Sunday and sleep all day instead of working on BES or something that we knew we were bad at. So a lot of that, a lot of that ownership of it. Um, and, and owning, you know, I, I, of course I'm, I'm a big follower of extreme ownership and that stuff, but owning everything in that, that if something happens, if guy doesn't know something, well, we didn't teach him. And if he doesn't understand it, we didn't try hard enough. And, and if the guy is a good person, then yeah. And, and start to own those things. So ownership, humility, um, most of everything you learn at smoke diver, that kind of stuff, uh, really <laughs> yeah. holds for me. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I don't, that, you were, <laughs> say, say that again. I'm sorry. I no, missed that. No. Don't be 23 years old. Be, I don't know, yeah. 30 with kids. Uh, you'll learn better. I understand. Yeah. Well, I was, I was a lot older than that and I still felt like I got promoted too soon, you know, once I look back on it, but uh, you, you brought out a couple of things there that I think are important to, to kind of reflect on or drive home. And that was something that somebody told me at, at, at some point in my career was you might outrank the guys you work with, but you probably don't outknow them, meaning that they probably know as much or more than you do, particularly if you're coming into a new station and, your crew's been there a while, right? They know things about that district. They know things about the apparatus that you don't know. So um, I, I think that kind of speaks to the humility. And I try and pass that along to, to people that I try and mentor might be too strong a word, but uh, things that I try and educate new officers on is that it's, it's okay not to know everything because no, you know, if you come in thinking that you know everything, then you're going to get made to look uh, like a fool pretty quick. Um, and then the other thing that you said that, that um, again, I, I think is something that's worth noting is a lot of people think, well, if I get promoted, then I'm going to have three guys working for me or I'm going to have two guys working for me. And it's kind of the opposite. You know, you, you work for them now. Like you said, you know, you're responsible not only for those two or three guys that are on your apparatus with you, but their families, their, you know, their wives, their girlfriends, husbands, whoever it is, their kids, their parents, because, you know, nobody wants to make that phone call. Nobody wants to have to look somebody's family in the eye and say, yeah, I let, you know, 
I, I, I wasn't doing my job or I let something happen to somebody. So, you know, that, that's, you know, we often think about paycheck or promotions being a paycheck and then, and an extra bugle and, or speaking trumpet or whatever you want to call it. And, uh, and all that sort of stuff, but there's a lot more weight with it than, than people obviously um, realize in most cases. So I appreciate you bringing that up because it's, it's good stuff. And it's glad, I'm glad to hear other people saying some of the same things that I'm thinking makes me realize I'm, I might not be completely off base at least. So, yeah. So, you, you know, you let's talk about, uh, you know, I said we were going to talk about your 12 steps to building a better crew uh, in the pre-show and, uh, you wrote this article back in uh, in 2022 in, in Firefighter Nation. Um, it's it's a pretty interesting article, I thought. Um, but uh, and I appreciate you writing it. I got a lot out of it. You know, that you, you talk about step one as uh, evaluate why why you are the way you are. So talk about that a little bit. You know, as far as self reflection, and it's not easy for I, I I think probably for people in general, and specifically for firefighters because we're so type A and we like to think that that uh you know we we're pretty squared away um but with time comes reflection and with reflection comes realization that we probably weren't as good as we thought we were so um you know just just talk to us a little bit about uh you know what you mean by that evaluate why you are the way you are and how you came up with that idea I, it's at some point you have to begin and to begin you have to know where to start and to, to know where to start is first with you so for me, it was it was literally looking in the mirror and going, "Hey, am I in the best shape I could be? Um, and and what do I know? And how do I know that? And and then going from that. So if you if you hang around with bad people, you're going to be a, a bad person. So um, if if you hang around with good people, you'll be a good one. So the the things that you the people that you hang out with, the things that you read, the things that you listen to, make a big impact on your life, whether you realize it or not. And if you want to be better, you have to be around those things. So to to start and, and literally find out why you wake up, why you get to work 10 minutes early versus an hour, why you why you have a crew that nobody seems to stay there very long or why why have you been passed up for promotion or why do you uh, not want to go any further and figure out what your what your view is going to be and your vision of your life and your vision of your, of your career. Um, and, and in the fire service, we have a hard time with this because for the majority of us, it's never going to happen where we're tested. Um, and, and that's, that's the way it is. When, most of us aren't going to make that terrible fire. Most of us are not going to be in that one position, but there's also the chance that we all could be. Um, and this is how the dice works. So, I think I think of it the other day that there's 1.1 million firemen in the United States. So if we were to to look out across all those people tonight, um, somebody uh, Jesus is going to reach down and grab a guy and say, "You're the fireman that makes a difference," and that guy has whatever he has, and if he isn't prepared for that, then that's it. And and there's a good chance whether it be a house on fire or a CPR or a car wreck that, that someone's life could be affected because of that. Um, and the sad part is if he does bad, unless he does something really crazy, there's probably no consequences for that outside that person getting injured and hurt or dying. But for him, there's not. So you have to live with that. So the, the inherent responsibility that I have to live with who I am and the consequences of that. And if I'm not good, then something could get happen. And especially 
especially when you get to responsibility roles with being an officer and being a, a, a parent and being a, a husband, there's, there's things that I have to come home and justify. So I, I really believe if you understand where you want, where you are and where you want to go, that's going to make a difference. Um, there's a lot of things that we try to get people to go to. And the first thing we tell them is sign up. If you want to get better at ropes, sign up for rope class and then work to get good as you get ready for that class. And then we'll go. But if you say, Hey, I think I want to know more about, I don't know, fire service. You know, you're not going to pick anything. You're not going to do anything. And, and you're never going to go anywhere with that um, because there is no goal in that. So deciding that uh, I had a really good guy that could deadlift 500 pounds. He didn't deadlift 500 pounds by walking in the gym and picking up a barbell the first time. The guy sat down, talked to a coach, made a plan. And over a, a time period, he got better at it and he got to where he could do that. And he wrote it down as he got that. So he took that elephant of deadlifting 500 pounds and broke it down to little pieces, which is what the 12 steps mostly is, and ate that elephant. So again, you got to start with the first bite. So that, that's mostly where that comes from. Um, and a, a lot of a lot of guys will tell you that I want to be really good, or I want to be the I want to be a good fireman. Okay, well, <laughs> there's steps to do that, but you have to get up and do the steps. So that's that's the the funny thing too. The 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 hardest thing about Anything you do is the very first step. So if you want to work out in the morning, the hardest thing is getting out of bed. You know, nobody ever went in the gym and said, oh, I don't want to work out today. No, you were there. You did it. So that's right. what most of it is. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you for that. And it's important to, you got to know where you, who you are and where you're at before you can set some goals. And I like the way you said, you know, it, it's the small bites and you, and you, you talk about that in your article with, with uh, the small bites and it's uh, you know, I think a lot of times people get discouraged. You know, they say they, they don't, they don't come up with a specific or a finite enough goal. Like you said, they want to be a good fireman. Well, that means different things to different people, but you know, if you want to be a good ladderman or you want to be a good nozzleman, set some of those goals for yourself, make them a little bit more specific. And then once you get good at that, move on to something else. But, you know, you got to set those, it's got to be those little micro uh, goals or mini goals that ultimately add up to the big goal. I think you would agree, don't you? Absolutely. And, and, and to that note, we, we have an inspections division in my fire department and we have an inspector who's, he's a little bit older. Um, he's a little bit out of shape. Uh, and he said, man, I, I, I did something yesterday and I got winded. Um, so I'm thinking about, I need to do something. And, uh, Back in the way, fart back in my brain, I'm like, do CrossFit, you know, but I'm like, wait a minute, if I tell him <laughs> yeah. to do that, he, he probably won't do it, you know, yeah. and, and and it's it's such a high peak to get in, in that kind of shape, he, he won't do it. But if I, I, I decided something else, I said, hey, man, you, we have a drill tower that's between the parking lot and your office tomorrow, walk the tower. And he, he did very good. He said, how many times? I said, one. Let's do one. Let's do one. And do one for a week and see where that gets you. And he kind of, well, that sounds easy. Like, it does. But you got to do the first one. And and I think people think too far into it and think that, that they're going to be Usain Bolt, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and and God knows who else overnight. And no. And, and anybody that tells you, any kind of health uh, professional will tell you, the first thing you do is take a picture. Take a picture of what you look like. And then now you know where you're starting. And then you'll see it later but if you don't 
see that you you won't you won't get to that habit of it and and all these things are is trying to make things a habit whether it be training or eating right or whatever and and that's hard habits take more than once so yeah yeah well how do you translate this this thought process and and this motivation and the idea of personal reflection how do you translate that to your crew particularly to you know as a company officer being a little bit maybe you're a newer officer or you may not be a new officer, but you've got you're you're moving to a new station. Uh, what are some of the things that you can do to kind of that, that you feel have been successful for you as far as passing along your thought process and your attitude to the folks that you work with? You know, most of what we do is is doing the same thing and showing that example of it and being a good example. So um, first, come in and saying, "Hey guys, uh, these are the things I'm really I'm good at. I, I know pretty well." Um, and I think I could hold a pretty good standard of this. This is some things that I am not good at. Um, but I heard at station two that y'all are good at this. So can you help me build my skills with that? Um, and, and show that little bit of buy-in and that little bit of want to get better. And that, that's, that's a full thing. You can't just say that and then not do it. You have to actually do it and engage and, and be a good student. Um, and I, I really believe in how you present yourself. So you, you can't come in talking a bunch of nonsense and being all big and bad when you're out of shape yourself or when you can't get your gear on. Or you can't mask up fast enough. Um, they're going to know that immediately. And any credibility you have is going to be gone. Um, when I moved to training, a, a big change for me was before you have your own guys. So your guys, they might know that you might come in early, but you work out at a certain time of day. They know that. So they know you're working out or they know that you know what you know. But when you're in the training division, you don't have your own guys. You have the entire fire department. So they don't know any of that. So you don't have any room to get away with these things. So I was very big and still very big in, in this. That, that I make sure I look good every day. I'm My stuff's together. Um, I still bust my butt when they don't see me um, to make sure that I can hold that. Because at some point in this position – I'm going to give them a training drill. And if I have no idea how to do it and I'm the one that put it out there and didn't ask for help, they're going to know that, you know, and they're going to call me out on it and it's not going to be that good. And the same thing is if, if I put out something there that's physically, I couldn't do any day of the week, they're going to know that. So, well, again, I don't need to be and will never be the best guy there. I need to know who to look for. So a good example of that is we're doing uh, ropes training next month. I've taken some rope classes. I'm, I'm pretty good at tying knots, but we have people better in the fire department for that. So we put it out to them. I said, this is the training we're doing next month. I need, I need y'all to put it together and, and we'll facilitate that. But y'all are the ones that tell me what you want to do. And I think that creates buy-in in that. Um, so a little bit of, of that and, and a bunch of, again, we're going to come back to it, but it's humility in that. And then knowing that a team is better than a person. So if the team is good, then we can do great things. If a person is good, well, then they're just over there being good by themselves. So and it's, it's I'm a big baseball fan uh, and, and sports fan, but everybody's going to tell you the best quarterback in the country can't throw the ball from on the ground. So if, if he decided that he's just going to be good and let the, the lineman be terrible, he's going to keep getting hit. And that's going to be the end of it. Versus if you can help those people and they can help you, you can work better together. And, and a lot of that too, just brought to us was knowing how to talk to people and how to how some people deal with things um 
I'm a big believer in knowing their background and knowing an idea and knowing that a 25 year old guy that was in the Marines and went to Iraq and Afghanistan is going to operate differently than a 21 year old kid who this is his first job. So you can't talk to them the same. You're still fair to them, but you treat them a little bit differently in how you approach things and it helps you go too. I also have one little thing that I, I, I didn't publicize very much. Um, but one of my guys, my, my most strong-willed guy I had, had a stack of sticky notes, regular yellow sticky notes in his locker. And if at any point in time I acted out, if I went too far, if I pushed the boundary or whatever it was, all he had to do was take that sticky note and put it on my desk. He didn't have to write anything on it. He didn't have to say anything. He didn't have to do it when I was in there. And that little thing, and granted, he had him for over three years. I think he finally used it one time as a joke. But <laughs> that little thing kept me in check because yeah. it told me, too, that while I'm the highest ranking guy and I was the most senior of all the officers there, if something happened, one of my guys could put me in check. And that was a, a fireman who had much less years of experience for me, but he was also he was a very good dude. So that was always in the back of my head that you know, I've seen plenty of officers act out and be too much. And then just go in their office and nobody, nobody wants to walk in there, approach the guy. But that little thing gave me, gave him a way to not have to even deal with me to make me look in the mirror. And, and I liked it. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important. Having the, that relationship with the people and, and certainly being in the train division is a different animal than being in the companies, as you mentioned, but having that relationship when you're in the companies with your folks and being able to say, you know, you can depend on me to, be, if I say we're going to do something, then it's not going to be the three of you doing it and me standing back watching you. It's going to be all four of us and, and being able to be friends. You know, I you've always hear the, I've heard it many times in my career that you can't be a boss and be somebody's friend, which I disagree with. And I, you know, I, there's, you have to be able to be both, right. You have to understand that there's, you can collaborate, you can be friendly with one another. Um, but if push comes to shove, you know, you're still the boss, but at the same time, if you've got that relationship with the folks that you work with, then it allows them to be able to, as you said, put you in check or, or say, Hey man, you, you kind of stepped over the line there a little bit, you know, let's, let's look at this or let's, let's revisit this, or hopefully this won't happen again. Yeah. So, so as you move forward, um, you know, talking about the 12 steps, uh, you, you talk about always moving forward, always moving or always forward, always moving is uh, is the last step. Um, I think you kind of hit on some of that already, but is there anything else? We kind of went through them fast and I know that we didn't go through all 12 of them specifically, but uh, in, in one fashion or another, we kind of hit them all as, as you were talking about different topics. So is there anything else as far as the always forward, always moving as far as keeping yourself motivated and keeping your crew motivated? That was something I learned the hard way, um, and, and, and I don't even know where the words came from. They ended up above my front door to my house uh, to walk out of my house. And I don't, I literally remember putting them up there, but I don't know what, what emblazoned me to do that. But uh, there, there have been hard things happen, and, and we haven't had anything terrible, but there's been hard, there's going to be hard times at work. There's going to be things that suck. There's going to be uh, rough calls or, or rough family things that happen. And, and in the end, you just have to keep moving a little bit and, and keep going a little bit. And, and, uh, when I went through some hard stuff, uh, a very difficult class, 
I set out my stuff in front of me and I still do that. I, I set my clothes up for the next day. I set my bag up for the next day. And these things, uh, when I have downtime, I'm able to get ready for the next thing so that when I, my alarm doesn't go off or when we catch a run or whatever, my stuff's already ready to go. I don't have to cognitively think about anything. So those, those little bitty things you can do for yourself to keep moving forward. And, and no matter what happens, the, the, the sun's going to come up tomorrow and it's going to be a new day and, and we're going to get through this. And, and I, I learned too with that, that just because, just because you got a flat tire doesn't mean you're having a bad day. Just because you came in on shift and, and you know, whatever you, you forgot your belt for work, or some goofy thing doesn't mean you're going to have a bad day and to not let these little bitty tiny things affect everything you do. And, and a lot of that too turns into that, that fire station, uh, you know, complaining that turns into just flat out, you know, bad stuff getting said when really, Hey guys, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. We, we had the best job in the world by all means. Um, I mean, we, we get to hang out with other people that we enjoy. We, we get to eat good food. We get to work out. We get to, to be someone's uh, savior and stuff and then take care of people. And if you start to take care of people and start doing those little things, it, it makes a big difference. And I, I, struggle makes you stronger. So when things suck, just, just work through it. And that's, that's a test you're going to have to deal with. I, I, I recently was just in Kentucky. I, I, I did mess up. I looked at the, the weather for Kentucky and then laughed because I thought it wasn't true. And then I got to Kentucky and there was snow on the ground. And for a guy from Southeast Texas who, who, you know, when it snows here, we just shut the state down. I was not prepared. Uh, and, and then my guy, with my, my, a rental car got a flat tire, you know, and, and this is one of those things of like, yeah, this is rough, but it's not that bad. It's not that bad. And, and when you look down and you're still, you know, you still have your health and you still have a family waiting for you at home, then okay, whatever, man. It, it is what it is. And let's laugh about it. It's going to make a good story later. So to not let some goofy thing or, or some massive challenge in front of you freak you out and go, Hey, look, it's, and, and that's a lot of the teaching that we do is, is if you want to be, a the best crew where there is and be able to run on the fire ground and throw ladders by yourself and all that you're not going to learn that overnight so breaking it down to tiny itty bitty pieces going a little bit forward every day and always moving forward with it makes a big difference uh and that that little saying and some very very good people got me through georgia smoke diver um and I, i credit them by all means uh but that boxing things up of going hey look we're gonna do this and we're gonna do this till the next thing and you're fine and you're fine. So that that's most of it where it's come from and and it's worked out. It's it helped me. So Yeah. Well it, that's true. You know, it's we, we all get wrapped up in our own heads sometimes and think the sky's falling all around us and, and when in the grand scheme of things, like you said, it's it's not that big a deal. And six months from now it'll be a it'll be a blip on the screen. It won't even be it won't even be worth breaking up again, right? So that's uh, it's it's good advice. You mentioned Georgia Smoke Divers, so I'm gonna let's uh, let's talk about that a little bit. And uh, in my previous role uh, that I used to have, I was the chief of training in, in Indianapolis, so I had uh, some involvement with the Indiana Smoke Divers. I haven't been through the program myself, but uh, I did a lot of logistical stuff and support stuff for them. And I remember um, when that first that program first started here in Indiana, and of course I'd heard about it. You know, the Georgia Smoke Divers and and all this, you know, thing. And, and, uh, I'd be lying if I said that when it, you know, when I first got introduced to it, I thought it was like some voodoo magic, uh, 
you know, let's see how tough we can be on somebody and, and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then they would invite me out because of my involvement in my position within the fire department. And they, you know, the, the instructors, the lead instructor, Matt Stewart would say, Hey chief, why don't you come out and, and uh, hang out with us for, you know, the morning or on day two or whatever, and we'll show you around and kind of, and I was, I, I got to admit that I was, I was incredibly naive with, uh, with what that program is. And, and I know you guys got your own secrets and you don't let out the, all the different things that everybody goes through. So I'm not asking you to, you know, to divulge any, uh, anything that, uh, that you're not allowed to, but just talk a little bit about that process. And, and, you know, I was taken away by the amount of preparation, not only for the students, but for the instructors as well. And how much thought goes into that with diet, you know, the, 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 the buddy system with the rope and, and, you know, you got your battle buddy kind of stuff and all those different things that I've, I've learned to come to respect, uh, after my exposure to it, just talk a little, and I know you've got your own story about getting through it. Uh, I've heard it before. Um, but just, just talk a little bit about that. Uh, you will probably rarely meet a, a smoke diver and not know it. Um, and that's not, that's not any boisterous way or to think anybody's better than anybody else. But for most of it, uh, most of us, it either changed our life or made a deep impact on us. And for me coming from the training aspect, um, and being able to go back and seeing behind the scenes and, and seeing how well it's run. It's the best one run program in the country. And I'd argue that with anybody. And I worked at a fire academy for a long time and been around a lot of conferences and whatnot. And it's still the best ran thing I've ever seen. Um, and then the understanding that you can do high stress, high risk things and not have anybody be injured uh, tells you how good that, that program is ran. Um, I actually did attend uh, Indiana and failed to prepare mentally. And you might have even seen me. I was there for a couple of days and then decided that I needed to go home. Um, for me, it it broke it down and it, it showed that what I could and couldn't do. Um, and and then what what it would look like if you took a group of people um, and have 95 percent of them be the best people you've ever met. Uh, and what they could accomplish. So it's, it's fun to go back because I I've seen grown firemen almost getting fistfights over who gets to pass out papers. That's how type a these guys are. Uh, and I say 95% of them are great. The other 5% are good because it, it, it's some, there's still a spectrum. And I'll tell you on the spectrum of them, I'm definitely way at the bottom. Um, there's been some amazing people get through it. And then some, and then everybody that gets through it is taught very, very sternly that this doesn't make you any better than anybody else. This is all your own challenge uh, and, and you're just learning some skills and learning what you can and can't do. Um, the ops chief forever, uh, Brett Hollander used to tell us that uh, we don't give away uh, anything for free, but you can have all you want. So to, to show that there is a standard and we're going to meet that and that is what it is. The, stand, the bar doesn't move. So, knowing that there are classes out there and seeing what, what you could do uh, made a big, deep impact on me and, and the humility in it. And, and of course the, the, the leadership that's taught throughout of it, uh, which most of it is, and I'm actually all of it is servant leadership and taking care of each other. Um, and that's a big part of the, the, it's you and your partner. Um, you stay in the same hotel room together. You're with that dude for 24 hours usually. Uh, and, and you have to help them get through it. Uh, and you may not know that person beforehand. Um, I went every time, all four times by myself, which I wouldn't recommend anybody because 
I met a new person every time I went and, and, uh, every time either I left or that other person left before. So I never made it all the way through with somebody. Um, but you, you knew that as you went through it with that person, uh, if they were struggling, that didn't mean that you got to get, go further. No, it means you help your buddy and you get that guy to get through it. And there's, there's only one evolution in that five hose drill that you do by yourself. Um, but the rest of them, it's you and that dude or you and, and a couple other guys. And it's a very much a team thing. Uh, and, and little things matter and little things create a big difference. Um, we see that with NIOSH reports and firefighter line of duty deaths. Very rarely uh, do you see a firefighter line of duty death where he was the greatest guy in the world and it just happened that, that something happened to him. No, it's usually a, a, a confluence of a bunch of tiny things rolling over and over again. So, Little things like you're going to have your cutters and your webbing on you at all times. That's it. That's the standard. You drop them, we're going to get you and we're going to straighten this out. And then seeing things like having the same set of guys doing PT or the same set of guys uh, motivating people and and seeing how this, the senior guys that are on the motivation squad, how they interact with people and how they handle it makes a big difference. Um, and learning from those dudes. And uh, one of the greatest guys there, uh, he told me flat out when I was struggling, he said, Are you, he said, what day is it? And I told him it was Wednesday. He said, what time is it? I said, it's, it's late. He said, good. So you know where you are, what you're doing. All right. Are you tired? And I go, yes, sir. I'm tired. It's, it's late. And he goes, well, that's your body talking. Your brain works. So you know where you are and your brain drives your body. So shut up and get this done. And that was a, that was my my robot mode, my, I, I suddenly was able to focus and do things and operate and not worry about the fact that my back hurt or my knees hurt, or I was just tired. It didn't matter. Um, so that was another one of the lessons I was learned. And it, it's, it's interesting too, because you're going to go through this whole six day thing and you're going to somewhat transform and that you are going to quickly realize what, what you are, what you can and can't do and know that your limit is only surpassed by pushing it. So nobody gets better by sitting still. Um, and, and the point in smoke diver, when you think you're exhausted and done and whatnot, Oh, cool. Well, you didn't finish. So go do it again. And you do it again, you know, and, and their teaching style um, is how we teach now. So their teaching style is very much, we're going to demonstrate it to the full capacity. So they're going to, if you're going to do it in full gear, they're doing it in full gear. Then we're going to show you how to do it. We're going to break it down. We're going to practice it. And then we're going to do it full speed in live smoke or fire. Holy cow. That's, that's, that's hard. And the only thing we don't do that way is do window bailouts because of the rope rescue stuff, but you still do it under theatrical smoke. So there were things that if you had told me before I got there that I was going to do, I wouldn't have believed you. There's no way I'm going to bail out a window using a pair of cutters as an anchor did it, did it a lot and it worked. And had they not trained me up to it, I wouldn't have been able to do it. We, we do some, some very risky things very, very well. And, and they monitor it very, very well. And, and it's, it's really is a very good learning environment. Um, and a lot of people will talk to you about stress inoculation or, or this stuff. Or, and this class actually does that to that point. And most things that you see today or stress inoculation turn into stress immersion. Hey, we're going to take him. We're going to put him in a, we're going to black him out. And we're going to put him in a maze. Okay. He's breathing air. He's, he's brand new. You, you've immersed this guy in stress and not built him up. So how do you expect him to react? He's, 
he's probably not going to do well. And versus, hey, let's let's do a maze in bunker pants and a coat. Let's do it in an air pack. Let's do it where he can see. Let's do it. Well, let's walk him through it, and then we'll slowly get him through that. That's inoculation. That's a slow time to it versus jumping into things. The, the class... The class beat me up. Um, I had a very, very difficult time uh, by all means. Um, but in the end of it, I was better and I was better for me. It was better. I wouldn't recommend it either to, to go more than once, but because I had to go so many times, I, I built it up and I had to take little pieces of it each time I got there. Um, and God bless my wife. The last time I went, she flat out told me, she said, you, you have to come back with a number. This is the fourth time. We can't keep doing this because she knew it. when I would come back and I hadn't finished it, how beat up I was and how how mentally I was torn up. And most people, they leave on Sunday or Monday and that's 100 percent their brain. Their brain is heavy. That little man between your ears will beat you up and weigh you down. Um, and you will see some very in shape people that pass an agility test to get in that they can't do push ups. And their brain is just holding them down. Um, and getting past that little man in your head and knowing that no matter how strong you are, you still got to beat that little dude. And that, that six inch space will get you all the time. Um, I lucked out, uh, with some great people there. Um, I lucked out and had to have some, some good conversations with chief Rhodes, um, and, and Robbie Townsend and a dozen other people, uh, Casto and whatnot. And there were moments where, uh, my brain wasn't clicking and they were able to put me square in back in place. Um, and I, I, I owe those people everything for that. Um, and no, so it's, it's, it's crazy to me to see such a, a great group and such a, a good program. But when you ask them or when, so, when you, when they explain it to somebody who from the street and they say, Oh, it's like the Navy SEALs. The first thing they tell you is no, 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 no. We're just firemen. We're just regular firemen who did a hard class and the humility that everybody has in it is, is the biggest lesson with it too. So, no, obviously, I'm very passionate about it. I do think everybody should go to it at least once um, because you see that. Um, you go once and then you you feel it, um, especially um, Indiana is a great program and a very good place. But because Georgia is the home of it and Georgia is where it started, if you were to go to Georgia and look at the asphalt, you can see it. I mean, it's it's old Yankee Stadium. You know, it's it's in the ground. You know, there are there is blood, sweat, and tears right there on that ground, and you know. And and if you ask anybody, guy that went to Dalton, Georgia, and took that class, he'll tell you that. And he'll he'll also tell you that when he goes back, he goes to his little spot. Everybody has their own little spot, the black square with a red rocker on it, um, and it says G- it said GA Smoke Diver probably thirty years ago. It doesn't anymore, but everybody knows where they were, and that that little spot is it to them. So I'm the same way. I rarely get to go back now because I'm so busy and, and with life. But when I go back, that's one of the first things I want to do when I get there is I want to go to the spot that I had. I want to go to 7A. It's in the front row getting demolished. And I want to touch that little block. And that little block to, is home to me. And that was that was the, that was the spot. Um, and God bless them. While it's extremely physical oriented and it's extremely mental toughness, the, the guys that run it are very good mentally. Um, I had left uh once i fell out on wednesday and then once in when i left indiana it was on wednesday too so when i was the last time through on wednesday morning the head instructor uh for pt asked me i'm standing there wednesday morning i'm already tired it's it's you're already four days into it and he asked me at seven o'clock in the morning when i'm getting ready for pt he said he said craig it's it's wednesday he said how long is the drive home i said it's 12 hours 
He said, oh, good. He said, you have kids? I said, I do. He said, good. If you leave now, you'll be home for dinner. And you can have dinner with your kids. And it's Wednesday. So you're going to leave anyway. You've been here twice before. Why? There's no reason to. Why miss dinner? You should just go home. And that little man in my head said, he's making some good points. <laughs> and then the little angel says, what are you doing? You're fine. You're fine. Relax. And I made it through Wednesday that time. And then God bless him. On Thursday, he came up and he said, did you talk to your wife last night? I said, yes, sir, I did. And he said, did you tell her how terrible you're doing? And I said, no, sir. He said, so you lied to your wife? And I immediately thought, is he talking to my wife? He's making some good points. Maybe I should. No, wait, wait, wait. It's Thursday. I'm almost there. And, and those little things. And again, that's a little bite. Hey, man, you're fine. You're fine. It's not that bad. Keep going. Uh, it, yeah. So it's funny. You know, now we do stuff and we do some some Denver drills. We do some other stuff. And the stuff that we learned from there specifically and, and the mental stuff and stuff. But I, I have literally grabbed all the groceries my wife bought and brought them in and been like, this was this isn't hard. I didn't go to smart. I'm fine. You know? And, and so nothing is hard anymore at this point. So I, I remember we, we had a couple bad days at work with some, some storms, hurricanes or, or the ice storms or other nonsense, or we made a couple fires. And I remember, I remember feeling fine after we're going, this is not hard. I know what hard is. I did plenty of days of that. So yeah, yeah uh, I could talk about it for hours, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, uh, like I said, I've, I've, Come to really, really appreciate it, and I think it's a good program, obviously as you do. Uh, but I've, I've never physically experienced it, so for that, I'm a bit, I'm, I am envious. Um, but at this point in my career, it's probably not something that I'm going to do. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, it's, it's rough, and it, uh, I'm almost 53, so I'm not sure that my body would hold up. So, um, you know. When, Given all the information, all the stuff that you just talked about with the smoke diver, and I'm, I'm sure you were in teaching classes and doing trainings before you went to smoke diver, but how has the way that you deliver training or put training together changed post smoke diver compared to what it was pre prior to smoke diver? Have you, have you made any changes in how you deliver your training or you develop your training when you're traveling around or even within your own fire department? I guess one of the one of the biggest things for me was um, I had traveled inside my state um, and done a few things before I went, um, and and for me I was fairly comfortable in that that area and I, I knew I knew a lot um, and nobody's going to tell you they know everything but I knew a lot um, and for me going the nine hundred miles away I immediately was didn't know a lot um, and and was immediately learning things from firemen that they already knew. Uh, and I was well into my career at that point. So the, the understanding that you may be really good in your area, but that doesn't make you good everywhere. Um, and knowing that uh, in Southeast Texas, we don't mask up. Uh, we wear our mask coming off the rig. That's a, a way because of the gear we had years ago. Um, and that was how I was always taught. Um, so I didn't know any better. But then I go somewhere else and like I, I did a class in Pennsylvania and nobody does that. And they get really good at masking up. And man, I, I'm very comfortable in a mask, but I'm not comfortable doing that. And all of a sudden this is that. So, so in teaching, one, we learned that you had to demonstrate things to the smallest level. 
to where the, the simplest things was understood. And even something, you know, you remember playing football in the backyard as a kid, you would draw things in the sand for the play. So even drawing things on the ground and then understanding that what I'm imagining in my head may not be what you imagine. So if I say a two-story house on fire, you're going to think of something. A picture is going to show up. That might not be the same picture. So maybe that we need to get on the same page with that. And then as you travel and teach, you learn that language matters. So I've been to plenty of places and asked them, what do you call that apparatus? What do you, what do you call it when you do this? And then making sure that your terminology matches what they do so that you don't say something crazy. A, a, a wide example would be where we're at, it's a tanker. In California, a tanker is a plane. We don't have those. So little things like that make a big difference. And then two, knowing that just because it's different doesn't make it wrong. So we, we've routinely in our classes, we'll make sure that we're available all the time. And we make sure that, that if there's something that we've seen that we've never seen before, I want to know that information. So if, we, if I have a kid there and he's got rope in his pocket, hey, you have this rope. What, why do you have that? Explain that to me. I want to learn that too. And what that did was one, it made us better. And two, it showed them that we don't know everything and we're humility and we, and we can do that. And it, and it allows them to ask us questions. So, and we changed that. We used to say, does anybody have any questions? Now we say, is there anything that I went too fast for? I didn't properly understand. And what we're doing is we're taking ownership of our teaching and saying that I may have missed this. I may have jumped over this. What do we want to do here? And, and, and tell me what I missed. Or when we did classes at the fire department, we stood to this. When we teach a class, we grab the most senior people when we get done and go, tell me how to make this better. Um, I think this part went a little fast. Is this okay? And then even now we go, hey, we just taught a class on this. Do we need to keep teaching that or are we past this or do we need to back up? And we learned that um, through the fire academy and, and through that. In the fire academy, we, we routinely would get to burns and the students wouldn't be very good. And you would go, oh, and we, some of the other instructors would say, well, it's a bad group of people. Wait a minute. They don't know how to do things because we didn't teach them. So taking those things that we learned from Smoke Diver and, and things that are difficult. The Denver drill in, in Smoke Diver is, is hard when you're exhausted. But if you teach it in bunker pants and, and slowly and allow people to slowly get more reps at it, we learned that. And we inherently, because we're breaking things down, like we talked about in the article, because you start with bunker pants on and then you progress to a coat and then an air pack and then whatnot, you're also building reps. So you're not going to get it done perfect the first time and you're not going to get it done perfect the second time. And maybe we need to crawl, crawl, walk, maybe run. Oh, let's go back to crawl, make sure we get it right. And then, and then do it. And then also allowing students to observe. So, Hey, look, I want you to stand back here and watch the instructors do it how you were taught, is there something they missed? And, and a lot of that openness and a lot of that communication with it um, made a big difference in the classes that we teach. We, we teach classes uh, for the company and, and we are very big on no magic tricks. I'm not going to wow you with some crazy webbing thing or some weird stuff. I'm going to show you how to do it when it's the most basic, because when it's three o'clock in the morning and the, mom screaming in the yard and you're on a 72, you're not going to be able to do magic. You're going to have to go back to the basic that you have and you have to be really good at that. 
So a, a lot of that stuff. We, we, we're big on, on working as hard as the students. Um, you learn that from Smoke Diver for sure. Smoke Diver, as a student, you do zero cleanup. You do zero preparation uh, as far as the burns and, and the setup of things um, because the instructors handle that because that's their job. Um, and, and knowing that, Hey, look, we're, as instructors, we're going to be there before we're going to be there afterward. We're going to be in the, in the right uniform. We're going to look good. Um, makes a big difference, uh, and, and being squared away. So I, I liked the, um, it's in, we were soldiers, but the Sergeant major. So in that movie, the Sergeant major is squared away. He's sharp. He's got his stuff together and he knows his job. You know that from looking at him. So to be an instructor, you want a sharp instructor and you want a guy that you just from appearances, you know, this guy's got his stuff together. So we learned in smoke diver and we taught in the fire Academy that we could do gear workouts and we got, we got pulled out of, of PT um, by our head of the program. And he said, you're having the students do gear workouts. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You can't do that. Why not? Because you don't know how they feel. I do. I do. I'm, I'm in there. I'm in the gear. Wait, you were, you were in gear too? I was. Every bit of gear they wore, we wore, we did the same thing they did. And immediately that, that lead instructor, God bless him, he told us we were free reign to do anything we wanted to do from then on because he, he had ownership in it and we knew we were good. But those little things matter. So I remember driving by a fire station and seeing seven guys in polo shirts and shorts and one kid spraying water in full gear, breathing air at three o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday, on a Sunday in August in Texas. It's 100 degrees outside. That kid's dying. He's he's exhausted. He's whooped. And around him is literally people who think they know because they've been there longer. Hey, man, why don't you put your gear on and do it with them? And, and we, talk, we teach that, too. So when our students wear gear, we wear gear. When they wear bunker pants, we wear bunker pants. And you immediately, one, you, you teach a better class because you want to get your stuff off, too. So you don't mess around with nonsense. And two, you know what they feel. And you know when they need to take a break. So a lot of that one-on-one -on -one stuff, a lot of that togetherness uh, was really what it taught me. Um, and preparation. It's more whatever you you get there at least an hour or two hours before the students and you line it out. And it's it's straight away good. Everybody knows their job. Everybody does their job. Um, and we do the same thing with our programs too. And the same thing in the training division now. We we line it out and prepare as much as we can before the event happens so that we, we know that all the P's and Q's are crossing and knowing that too, that any event that you do is going to have a big hiccup. And if you aren't prepared for anything, then it's going to be terrible. So writing out contingencies and having plans and having people's jobs. Hey, look, in the event of rain, what do we do in the event of we do this, you know, the, the they catch a run in the middle of it. What's the plan? Um, and having those things. And, taking constant notes and writing stuff down and, and being able to reference things later makes a, a big difference. I know it's a big, a lot of rant for a lot of stuff, but it, it, it taught me so much and, it, and we use it so much now. It made a big difference. And nine years at a fire Academy running, I don't know, 300 students a year. We learned a lot of things. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you, there's a lot to, to unpack there, but I think it's, you know, I was happy to hear you say a lot of the things you said. It, it's important for people that, you know, if you want to be an instructor, you aspire to be an instructor or you are an instructor, um, showing up prepared, being dressed for the part, you know, it, that goes a long way. And, and I, I think some people take that for granted. You know, they, they say, well, I've, I've got my instructor certification or, um, you know, I, 
I'm usually the guy that comes up with the with the drills for my station or whatever, but they don't really understand <clears throat> the the level of responsibility and the weight that goes along with that. And 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 you you hit it home, you know, you you've got to look, you're the training division. So everybody else for right or wrong, if you're the training division, then the people in your organization expect you to know the most out of everybody, even if you you know, you probably don't, but that's the that's the expectation. And if you don't convey that appearance and that attitude that you want to be the best, you are the best, you're trying to aspire to lead from the front, then, you know, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice and people are going to figure out pretty quick that, uh, that you may not be all that you think you are. <laughs> yeah. So, so how did you come up with, uh, with the trainer die? What, why not train or uh, give puppy hugs or, uh, <laughs> you know, something like that? Where, where did all that come from and what motivated you to, to, to start carrying your message out outside uh, you know, your, your organization? That, that happened. Uh, the, the symbol itself happened on accident and, and I, it's, it's so goofy. Uh, I probably shouldn't admit it, but I have to, I have to tell the story. And I, I mistakenly told it very early uh, when we started and well, now it's recorded. So we have to tell it anyway. So I went to uh, Mark Von Oppen's class uh, and he had the big four and me and another guy, uh, Matt Wallace, who owns the company with me, uh, we liked the class and we were good. We we're fired up. And I came back to work fired up and I, I took his excellence as my responsibility sign. And I said, I'm, I said, I'm going to make this and we're going to sign it. So I, I put it on my TV uh, at, at the station I worked at. We had a, a TV on the wall that we used as a computer screen. So I put it up on the screen and one of my one of my very good firemen came in their office at the same time, which was another big thing, too, for me that having people be able to walk in without knocking on the door, for Christ's sake, made a big difference to me. But he comes in, he looks at it and it says, excellence is my responsibility. He said, what's that? And I said, we're, we're, I think we're going to print it out and everybody sign it. We're going to be really, really good. And he said, and he was he's much younger than me. He said, that looks goofy. And immediately I did two things. One, I got irritated. And two, I said, you shouldn't be irritated. He's telling you something. So I said, what do you think would be different if, if we did something else? And he said, maybe a little more, maybe a little tougher, Cap. I said, all right. So I Googled around and I found, uh, uh, a, but I, I found the, the, the join or die symbol that was made during Revolutionary War. And it, it looks very, very similar. And I changed the word to train. And I said, what do you think about that? And he said, I like it, but I don't want to. He said, if we all sign it, it's kind of goofy. So we, we took that symbol, and at that point in time, that shift uh, and that group wasn't very big. But if you look at it, we cut the snake up in different pieces and made more pieces, and then we put everybody's initial on different pieces. And then we, just very similar to the states in the picture, but we specifically put the officers towards, split up throughout it to make the officers not better than anybody else. And then we premised it on the fact that we were going to survive if we all worked together. Um, and that became that that very simple symbol, train or die. And then when people would ask us about it, we explain it to them. Together, we're going to make this thing, and we're all going to work together. And if we don't work together, if if this head flops off, then somebody's going to die. So we have to take care of each other, and we have to build that on that. And and that became it. And then when uh, we were having some struggles at the fire academy, and uh, and then COVID happened. And when COVID happened, we, we, most of us, uh, we were all part-time employees. So we lost our job for the most part, uh, for a long time. And, and we, 
we wanted to do more things. So uh, me and Wallace got together and we happened to, we helped some guys out with a local class and we, we taught them some stuff that we thought everybody knew. And then we quickly realized that because we were career firemen uh, and had been in the fire service for a long time. And, and while we don't work at the busiest stations by any means, we still had a, a quite a bit of experience. And, and we knew two other guys that were fantastic instructors who had the same mindset we did, which was that we're going to teach and we're going to learn at the same time. Um, and we, we got those guys together and said, Hey, we want to do this. We want to run this thing and we want to be able to bring the knowledge that we have to, to people, um, to anybody that will listen. And at the same time, we're going to get better while we're doing it. Um, meaning that we're going to go places and we're going to learn what they do too, so we can get better. And that was really when the company kind of, kind of started. Um, the Facebook group was on accident too. Again, I'm not the greatest at this. So we, we have buddies that run other Facebook groups. And one of them had a training class in it. And I remember seeing the training class and then somebody asked me, Hey, did you see this class? And I said, yeah, let me, let me find it. And I couldn't find it on the internet. So I said, man, I'm tired of this. We're just going to do our own little group and we're going to share training classes in it. And we started doing that with four guys. Um, now, three years later, there's almost 30,000 people in it. And we also found that in a lot of things on the internet, if you take a video and you post it, you're going to get smoked. You're, there is somebody somewhere that says you didn't wear your gloves right or you didn't do this right. And we learned there wasn't really a, a safe place to do that. And I hate to use the word safe place, but there wasn't a friendly place to do that. And we decided that that was going to be a thing for it too. So there's a big disclaimer on that group that says, uh, Hey, look, if you think something, if somebody posts a video and you don't like it, they don't say anything. And if you think you can do better, post your video and you'll never see one of me because I screw up all kinds of stuff. But that, and then we have a standard in that. And we've, sadly, we've had to, to, to kick some people off the island. We have had a couple people that didn't understand that. And they're going to be, I don't, I don't want to see a video of a 20-year-old kid who has six months in a fire service and he's practicing masking up and he's asking for help and somebody belittle him for that. Or somebody give him crap because he's standing in front of a yellow fire truck versus a red one. They should all be red. But he's standing in something in front of a different. Don't give him help for that. Let the kid, the kid's trying to learn, let him learn. Um, and, and that became a thing. And then we started the page because we noticed too, that when we would have conversations with firemen, that there'd be guys that, that had struggles and they, they thought they were on the Island and thought that, that their fire department was the worst in the world. And Hey man, again, it's not that bad. All of us have our own problems and, and all of us, sometimes we oversleep. Sometimes we, we don't do good on a call and that's okay. And there's, there's things to do that. And then we started to write some stuff. Um, that we thought would help some people. And funny enough, three years later, the thing that still got shared the most was the thing that said, don't be an asshole, <laughs> which was funny because you would think that was a simple thing, but that little thing caught on. And and, and then you, you spoke of the bugles or speaking trumpets on the shirt. I remember telling people, hey, man, these aren't real gold. Calm down, okay? It's going to be fine. Um, and And knowing that, Everybody needs to have a little bit of humility and laugh a little bit more. It, it made a big deal. And that, that became it now. And it's funny because we, we didn't mean to do any of that. We, and all of us are very big on not really publicizing who we are um, because we, in the end, we don't believe that who we are 
should make that big of a deal. If we're sending a good message and we're not talking about things that we don't know about, you're never going to see us teach a basement class. We don't have those in Texas. We're from Texas. You know, we're not going to go outside of our scope. Then it shouldn't matter. Um, and we're never going to, there's been plenty of times where people have brought things to us and we said, Hey, we're not the best at that. We know people who are, um, and we've referred them to friends and, and guys we met down the road. Um, and at the same time, when we started this tiny little company, we had taught with a bunch of people who had their own things. Um, and we went to all of them. And I remember sitting down one day and making 20 phone calls. And then I had to make a couple, I had to go drive to a couple places. And I asked those people in person on the phone, we want to start a company. We want to do this. This is somewhat in your realm. And we don't want to mess with that. And we don't, we don't want to go somewhere and somebody assume that, that we're teaching the same, that, that we're as good as you are. And we were able to get yeses and that was okay. And, and please go do it from those, those 20 people. Um, and that motivated us too to do it. And that was part of the thing too. There's 1.1 million firemen. We can't teach them all. And if you don't teach it, someone worse than you probably will. And a lot of people, as you reference, they get the word instructor on their shirt and suddenly they're God's gift to things. And hey, man, you don't know what you're talking about and, and calm down with it. Um, and we stayed inside our realm. And, th- and that's been it's been us for the whole time. Uh, we we love going places. We love doing stuff. We're also family people with with wives and kids. Um, there's four main guys that do it. Uh, and, and we enjoy it a lot. And. We have learned a lot too with it. Um, we've also, we're not business people either. So we don't, we don't use it to, to make money, to do things. We, we sell some stuff, which is comical too. We, we wanted to get a t-shirt made for us to wear um, when we taught. And we asked people, I said, who, does anybody make t-shirts? And the response we got was, I'll take two. No, 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 no. I don't want to sell them. I want, I want to, I want to, I need to make for myself. And next thing you know, we started selling a couple of t-shirts and then our very first hat um, was given to us. Uh, a very good guy named Eddie Steele of a fool's group in, in North Texas mailed me a hat that had trainer die logo on it. And it had, it's a GSD 987 on the pack, my number. And that, that was a heartfelt thing to me. Um, and then of course I wore the hat and people wanted to buy a hat. So the, the, the goofy stickers or whatnot we do that that does that allows us to then go to classes and not charge very much at all um, because we've made some money in selling a hat to put diesel in our truck so that we can we can survive and then we can take these things that we know show up in the middle of nowhere at a, at a volunteer department and and be able to go hey guys we're gonna we're gonna teach you we didn't charge much because we were able to send this stuff and we're gonna we're going to teach to your, what you have, not your level of your abilities, but literally what you have. So all of us work at career fire departments. I, I can't show up in the middle of, of West Texas and a fire department that has seven members and three show up and then tell them about how you're going to pull a box. They're not going to do that. It's not going to work out. Uh, and then we've translated these things across the other companies we've worked at too, because most of us have other side jobs as well. Uh, and it's worked out really, really well. And it's still amazing to us when people ask us to do podcasts or whatnot, because we're just firemen. We're just regular firemen who like to have fun and like to hang out with other firemen and, and like to learn stuff. So we, we love it when we go somewhere and, and we go to teach something and they have us some questions and then we get to be better at teaching it. And then we get to ask them questions like, what, what is that? What is that thing over there? And they, they still it's the coolest thing. I, I got to see a vacuum tanker in Pennsylvania and I'd never seen one. And I felt like a, 
eight year old kid again. Like, what is this? How does that work? You know? And that was, that was cool. So it's been fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, I guess how the snake came along and, and God bless Ray McCormick. Ray McCormick saw the snake on my, on my shirt on my back uh, somewhere. And he said, he said, uh, in his New York accent, he said, train or die. It's very aggressive. And I said, yes, but we're not those people. <laughs> we just, that's just what we use and it works. So. Yeah. Working. Uh, what's in the future for uh, Devin Craig and Trainer Die? Where are you going to be this year? Uh, so far, uh, we're going to to lift in Louisiana. Um, we had, we had planned on we had put in for that and we got it. Um, I just got back from Kentucky uh, teaching my my other little class. We I teach a class called Lazy to Leader, and what that is about is is how to get those people engaged and and how to be a better company officer and and not while leading from the front you you can't chase the animals. You have to feed them. So how to get those guys engaged with it. So I just got back from doing that. Uh, I'm doing that at Lyft in Louisiana again. Uh, and then we're teaching a hands-on class the next day. We like to do truck work. I don't like my feet getting wet and I'm bad at math. So we stay away from hose. Um, so we're doing a little truck class. I, I don't understand that thing's heavy. I don't get it, you know, but whatever. Um, and, and we're teaching that the next day. Uh, and then, we maybe have a few other things. Uh, I, I went nine to five. Um, and I know that's, that's the crazy thing in the fire service. That's the big blast for me to go nine to five. Um, I hate to tell you it's better. Um, I've, I've really enjoyed it because I have a seven and eight year old and I get to eat dinner with my kids and hang out with my kids and I'm off on the weekend. So, uh, we're getting asked to do some other stuff. We'll, we'll probably be at the for them conference in November. Um, and we may do some other stuff here and there, but, uh, at the same time, we're enjoying life too. So uh, Wallace is the same way. The other guy that owns it with me, he just taught a class in Oklahoma. Um, we were separate, he's teaching things, which is pretty cool. Um, and and he has younger kids too. So we're doing some stuff together, but at the same time, we're we're also making sure that that this this good hobby that we have and this thing that's that's done a lot for us also doesn't take away from our families too. So um, I've been to fifteen states in roughly three years. Uh, and, and taught a lot and, and been gone about 45 to 50 days every year doing outside training, either taking a class or teaching it. So uh, that's put a strain on. And, and while it's enjoyable, I don't want to miss this time with my kids. So care about slowing down, uh, but you'll still see us post and stuff too uh, when we can. Yeah. So. Awesome. Awesome. Well, how can, uh, how can people get a hold of you? Where, how, how do they get a hold of Devin Craig to have a conversation with him? Or invite uh, him out to teach a class. <laughs> uh first off if it's snow on the ground you gotta you gotta do something i i yeah that was enough for me for the year probably um we're going somewhere to see snow with my kids in a couple of weeks and i'm definitely bundling up um i have more my texas boots on with slick soles and i uh, learned that lesson but uh you can reach me on, on facebook at, at devin craig is on there d-e-v-i-n uh c-r-a-i-g and then trainer die t-x Dot com is us. All of our bios on there. Um, if you were to look at our bios, it gives you a good idea about us. We make fun of ourselves um, because we we enjoy being firemen. So um, you can reach me on there. There's a, a, a little part that you can ask us some questions. Um, if you get in the trainer die discussion and you say something in there, we'll, we'll definitely try to help you out as much as we can. Uh, I've had the same phone number for for since phones only made phone calls. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll definitely yeah. talk to you there. Uh, and then, yeah, our email addresses are on there and, and whatnot. 
Um, I, as you can see with this this conversation, we're we're still firemen like to talk about fire. So uh, if yeah. you get me on the phone or get me in person, there's a good you're going to spend some time. We're going to talk about some fun stuff. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the easy way to get hold of us. Facebook's probably the best way, and, and then the website. So excellent. All right. Well, I appreciate you spending a little time with me this evening. I know we've got a little time time delay here or time difference here between between Indiana and Texas, but uh, I'm happy we were able to connect and uh, certainly learn learn from you and and as i said early on in the in the podcast you're one of the most high speed positive guys i've i've had the opportunity to to talk to or be around so um i appreciate you uh being here for the podcast and uh as we wrap up just again to remind everybody thanks for tuning in to hooks and hoses um get signed up for fdic if you haven't already it's going to sell out i can almost guarantee it uh, i'm eric dryman and we'll see you on the next episode coming up in March. Thanks for tuning in. Take care. Like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric delivers a perfectly broken-in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, and powered with the strength of Enforced Technology, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit TenkataFabrics.com slash Flex 7. Flex 7, powered by Enforced Technology, only from Tenkata Protective Fabrics.